0: Good evening. The wrestling world and its fans still reeling from last month's suicide and double murder involving WWE champion and star Chris Benoit. His friends, colleagues, and law enforcement are trying to figure out exactly what happened at his Georgia home the weekend of June 22nd. (coughs) Excuse me. Benoit apparently strangled his wife Nancy and suffocated their seven-year-old son Daniel and then hanged himself. We begin with John Cena, the WWE champion and superstar. He knew Chris uh, Benoit professionally. Uh, Brett Hitman Hart is in Calgary, Canada. He's the former pro wrestling star who knew Chris Benoit for many years. In fact, Chris started with Brett's father's wrestling company in Canada. And in 1999, you remember Brett's brother Owen died tragically, falling to his death in Kansas City during a stunt for a pay per view uh, wrestling event. And here in Los Angeles, Chris Jericho. Very close friend of Chris Benoit, former WWE star, he held six different titles, and he's author of A Lion's Tale, Around the World in Spandex. John, what would you make of this? How'd you hear of it? Mr. King, we were... uh, Larry. Larry, we were actually uh, in Corpus Christi, Texas, getting ready to do uh, our regular Monday Night Raw broadcast, and it really just really caught everyone by surprise. We heard of it about about two hours before we went on the air, and um, it was such sudden and disastrous news that the the right thing to do was, was was to cancel the show and it really it really hit everybody like a ton of bricks to your knowledge was anything troubling him no absolutely not and i think if you ask anybody who, who knew chris i strictly knew him professionally but the guy was ironclad he was required he kept to himself he had an ultimate respect for his workplace he was he was a model employee I have no idea where any of this came from and you're in a violent sport but I understand he was not a violent person no he was a great guy he was a great guy to be around and that's that's the ultimately the strangest thing about this whole thing no one saw this coming Chris you were a, a friend as well as a colleague right yes yeah what did you make of it how'd you hear about it um, I got a call from somebody
1: uh, that was at the show that told me about it and um, It's still very hard to discern the differences between the two guys, the guy that did these horrible, senseless, violent, brutal acts at the last weekend of his life. And then the guy that I knew for 15 years who was a mentor, a big brother, a close friend, a confidant, and a positive influence to me uh, professionally and and personally. And it's still, you know, two weeks later, it's still very hard to try and come to grips with with any kind of semblance of sense or reason. And we'll probably never know him. That makes it even worse.
2: Welcome, everybody, to part two of the complete tragedy of Chris Benoit, the final days of Chris, Nancy, and Daniel. Before we start, a warning again that this podcast series will depict in vivid detail the murders of Nancy and Daniel, along with the suicide of Chris. Some listeners may find these descriptions disturbing. We're going to start on Saturday, June 16th. Year of our Lord, 2007. Chris was working at a WWE live event in Dothan, Alabama, a three-hour drive south of his home in Georgia. Nancy, who was suspicious of an affair happening, joined him at the show. Everyone acted strange around her, like they knew something that she didn't. Inside WWE circles, rumors floating around that Benoit was having an affair with fellow WWE wrestler Michelle McCool, Undertaker's oh. current wife. She must be in the dead man. She must be dead man <laughs> <to> dead man. <laughs> in a in release text from Chris's phone log, he texted another wrestler on November 30th, 2006, can you please text me Michelle McCool's number, please? Brother's down so bad, he had to say please twice. <laughs> can you please text me her number, Please. Please.
3: Please.
2: In May of 07, he would text the redacted number of his arrivals on Delta Airlines. It was around that time. Uh, it was around the time of a WWE show that both of them were booked on. Nancy noticed a lot of changes in his behavior as well. He would walk outside to carry on conversations. He would also carry a second cell phone, which she knew about but believed he was trying to hide from her. These are things that he has never done before. On June 17th, Nancy would return home while Chris put the difference between Dothan and Fayetteville with a show in Columbus, Georgia. Whatever they talked about today prompted Nancy's last recorded text message at 4.01 p.m. She transmitted, Grow up! Answer the phone! I need to know what the plan is. If I end up having to throw away any food again from tonight and tomorrow, I will not be cooking any meals for anyone for a very long time. The next day, Nancy spoke on the phone for nearly two hours with her old friend, Pam Clark, in Tennessee. Clark was the widow of Brian Hildebrand, a wrestler and referee who had died of cancer in 1999. Hildebrand worked with the likes of Cactus Jack as a manager in the mid-80s, but would work primarily with Chris and Nancy in WCW as a referee. Nancy told Pam that Daniel was attending a summer horse-riding day camp at next-door neighbor Holly's house. The woman also discussed Nancy's concerns over the search for a school for him now that he had graduated from a preschool kindergarten program. This may be the only time we can discuss this, but after his death it was widely speculated that Daniel suffered from some form of mental illness. These claims have real no basis other than the way he looked. Daniel was just a shy kindergarten age kid who didn't socialize much outside of his family because of the fears and anxiety his dad had.
3: Right, and I mean, if it's based off of him being quiet, him being shy, I mean, if, I don't want to word it, I'm sure his mom wasn't the nicest around him. She was constantly angry or constantly worried about Chris and what he was up to, Um, and Chris to me kind of seems, since I've been watching the show, uh, I describe it as like a Hank Hill dad. That makes sense, you know. Oh, you're my boy. You should do sports and cars and right. And especially since that's all Chris wanted to do, I could see. Oh, buddy, why aren't you doing this? And not letting him just be a kid. Again, that's just you know speculation. Obviously, nothing uh out there that says that, but
2: I th- I think what's more I- important is he probably was not able to act like a normal kid for the most part. Yeah, because when. Chris had so much anxiety of like the public. Right. Um, when he got picked up from the airport, he would have his driver, uh, like a, like a fan, uh, that he became friends with in Atlanta, uh, to take different ways home each time, just in case they're being yeah. followed. Cause he was and scared I... of, I, I forget who it was. A wrestler's daughter died, um, recently, but it had nothing to do with like a fan, like crazy, but that like always like stuck with him for some reason. Uh, I'm so I'm sure... assuming there's other things that he had to do with Daniel. Uh, that just... Right. That's just speculation.
3: So say that, not only that, but you figure Chris's other kids were um, at least a little bit older than Daniel. And it doesn't seem like with the couples that lived around the Benoits that there was another child there. To kind of, you know, help him get out of his shell.
2: Yeah, well, even, even if there was, like by this time, by the time Daniel... Uh, was growing up they've already like withdrew from that social circle due to Uh, them fighting so much so
3: so he probably didn't have and i know that's a big thing they say with um only children or um kids who have like a big age gap between their siblings is that that's a little bit why they're reserved or why they're quiet because they didn't have someone help them develop in an odd way it's kind of like dogs and cats Or you know, you take the dog or cat away from the parent too soon, it doesn't know how to dog or cat. It's just kind of there and like, hey, what do I do now? I mean, there's a lot that played into it, I'm sure. Um, On that same note, though, I mean, this is gonna, this might sound bad, but on the dark side of the ring, um, Chris's other son, David. Yep. It kind of doesn't seem like he's all there or doesn't grasp everything either um and that's just what I get from just watching it and it's like I have spoke about before he just seems too either numb or to just like the whole situation like I would think that talking about my father killing my stepmom who I regarded as some um, um a mother myself my little brother was like my best friend and then my dad himself talking about it at length really for the first time i wouldn't be as calm as he was yeah he i think he's just happy he gets to talk about it finally because WWE always kind of like veteran they kind of gagged him whenever he would try and talk about it or and who knows it could be kind of like with the guerreros where you know you tell this story but only this story don't divert from it so maybe he was happy to finally be able to shed a little more light
2: yeah did you know that he was um he was banned from WWE shows like a couple years ago um i knew i don't know why
3: But I know that when he showed up backstage at AEW, they kind of started banning him. Yeah. I don't know if there's any connection to that, but.
2: It it, it was because of that. He went to. uh... That's what he says. He says he went to the AEW, I think it was Double or Nothing. One of them, yeah. One of them. One of the shows that. uh... So everyone, like Jericho, like, was. He was a champion that. um... Yeah,
3: because obviously he's got the connection with Jericho, and then that's when everyone started. Is, is he training with Natalia, or did he train with Natalia at one
2: point? I, I know he said it. Like I literally just heard it the other day because I was yeah. listening to his interview. Um, he, is, know tra- he is training somewhere, and he has gear made up yep. that looks exactly like his dad's. Like that's not going to be good with like the claws or whatever. Uh, so we'll see. We'll see how. We'll see where where that leads.
3: Yeah, at this point, um, it would almost be better to just be like Pegasus Jr. Right. I mean, if you're wanting to do something for your dad. Because, I mean, no main promotion is going to let you do that.
2: Especially since I think he said he wanted to wrestle under Chris Benoit Jr. I think he
3: said. Yeah, no. Nah, no. And then what do you do? (laughs) Oh, Chris Benoit Jr. uh, Didn't his dad win a couple world titles? Yep that's it and what else that's that's it he was a champion where'd he go
2: uh, he's been away oh. for a long time yeah he died in in, he died in 2007 that's all you need to know yep he was working out too hard <sighs> he was breaking his neck working out so much
3: and <laughs> like you said it'll be interesting to see where he goes from here I mean especially because I know fans are interested in the fact that Brian Pillman Jr. is doing so well you yeah. kind of have two firstman connections, and now you've got Brock Anderson doing stuff, and I don't know. It'd be fun. It just I don't know. I don't want to see him wrestle.
2: He was he was supposed to have a match, um, like I think back in like 2013 or 14 before he even started training, but uh, Chris Jericho like put an end to it. Like some like indie promoter, like try to get him on. They're supposed to do like a tag match or something. I think he'll ever show up at a WrestleCon? He sh- sure. I think he might. Uh, he's working like in the oil fields right now in Canada or something, making oh. making like six figures doing that. So he, he might be like uh to the bushi where he just he's just super rich already when he starts right. wrestling, so but uh anyway <clears throat> uh but most of all they talked about nancy's ongoing struggles with chris over money sex and control nancy specifically mentioned the arguments over their life insurance policy and her suspicions of an affair Financial security and sexual fidelity aside, Nancy described Chris's mood swings as becoming unbearable. He was at the point of picking a fight over almost nothing. She talked about needing to get away to visit her parents in Florida or her sister in North Carolina, or even even move to Florida with Daniel. Nancy also said Chris has become physically abusive, and she was afraid of him. She was keeping evidence of her husband's domestic violence in a safe place. She had a bad feeling. She says, "If anything happens to me, make sure people know that Chris did it." No signs of abuse, Logan. No signs. Yeah. The no last, signs. Last guy. It, last guy anyone would suspect.
3: And I and I touched on this last time. Um, it's interesting to me. <laughs> I mean, between the dark side of the rings and interviews <clears throat> with people, you have got Chris Warrior. And I know putting his name with these two will probably get me in some hot water with some people. But Eddie Guerrero, and they call him all, you know, family men. They were great. Chris obviously did all of this, and then we'll have more to talk about. Warrior, from everything I've gathered, wasn't a great person. It's all about him. He was verbally abusive. You could tell by some of the, um, Like political gatherings, I guess you'd call them, he was in. He didn't have the nicest mindset. Then you have Eddie Guerrero, who Vicky said, oh, I forget which one it was. I think it was one of his, I think it was his last documentary for WWE. She mentioned how they were on a break um, because she couldn't take anymore. And in that small amount of time, he went and had a kid with someone else. (laughs) Yeah. <laughs> and I mean, you get all that, but you always hear that they're great people. But then you get someone, like I said in the last episode, like Macho Man. And yes, he was controlling. And yes, he would lock Liz in a room. But what I've gathered, he was never really physically abusive. And he wasn't verbally abusive with anything. He just did it because he was afraid because of the times with the men who wanted to have all the sex, all the drugs being going around the locker room. But he's always the one that's regarded as, you know, Oh, he's a great legend, but what he did to Elizabeth was awful. I mean, could he have been that bad if, at WCW, five to six years after their divorce, she came back on screen and worked with him right. for two to three years. Yeah,
2: they had the they had a couple of reunions. I'm pretty sure.
3: Yeah, I mean, it just it just always baffles me that that's like the Macho Man thing. Like, oh man, crazy guy with Elizabeth, but then all these others. I mean, even. Except said, even someone like for the long time until he started getting blackballed by everyone. Hogan was called a family man,
2: Hogan and, was, know, best. Linda
3: was yeah, and Linda was the bad one. And I don't know, I don't know why that's the narrative that they attach to Macho Man, and why they don't attach it to anyone else.
2: Well, with Hogan, he was him and the Linda were super controlling too. Oh yeah, um, yeah. But that's that's a whole that's a whole other thing.
3: Yeah, I just like I said, I find it funny that, and I mean, even now, a lot of the Benoit talk is, you know, you never saw it coming, but obviously there, there was a, there's warning signs.
2: Yep, I'll just, I'll just say it again. She said that Chris had been physically abusive, and she was afraid of him. She was afraid. If anything happens to me, make sure people know that Chris did it.
3: Now trying to try
2: and light the movie here um, okay. Did she say which Chris she just said Chris could be canyon could be you know could be Jericho um, people people said there was a scuffle at the door apparently uh, if, 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 even though there's no police even though it's not in any police report ever <laughs> ever put out there was a scuffle at the door it could have been Chris Canyon you're right <laughs> you never know um
3: yeah, I mean, you see? See? Hopefully, I'm doing a good job representing some of the people on the internet who constantly try and defend this. I try my best.
2: You try. <sighs>
3: I guess on a side note, too, the worst part about all this, like the more that we talk about it, it's like you said in the last episode Nancy had a long career. Yep. Um, she was really one of the first female valets to like take hold. You got her, Luna, and Sherry, kind of in a group.
2: You could, yeah, you can like make an argument that she was probably one of the best. Yeah, she, even um, though she didn't even, she wasn't even like a wrestling fan. Her uh, boyfriend took her to one. and She left him for yeah. Kevin Sullivan. <laughs> is, she was
3: with Kevin, she was with Kevin Sullivan in that group, which um, was one of the first culty groups. Then she went to WCW. She was with she was one of the first valets to do the bait and switch. You know, she was with the Steiners, and then she turned and she got with Doom. Right. Um, and then she ended up getting, you know, with the Dungeon of Doom and then the four horsemen. And you figure after that really wasn't seen on screen. Her character was just so ahead of the time. Like I said, her, Luna, and Sherry. And really at this point the only one that gets talked about in that light is Sherry. Uh, just a, it's a shame because again, like with Chris uh, or with Daniel, you know, with David trying to be Chris Junior. What's yeah. the What are the announcers going to say? Oh, here's woman. She had a great career. Um, she was with Kevin Sullivan, and then she let, um, was with Doom, and then she's a and then she retired, and we haven't seen her since. Oh, yeah. here comes here comes her stepson up to get her ring now. His name is uh, David, and David
2: Woman, yeah, David <laughs> Woman.
3: <laughs> it's just a shame. Like she'll never get the recognition, right? It, I don't know. Just it, it sucks because she she really is a good ballet.
2: Yeah, she was. It's a it's a lost art form today. She was in the early days of ECW too,
3: and helped helped there. I mean, it's just it's awful. The more that you think about it, the more you kind of wish for that alternate reality that we talked about, where Chris and Eddie both lived. Right. Because then I think at this, I think at this point, all of them would be in the Hall of Fame.
2: Oh yeah, definitely. Especially Eddie Chris, if, woman. If if what I said last episode, like if this this weekend didn't happen like it just yep. was another domestic dispute whatever maybe he gets arrested or something like she ends up calling the cops whatever uh and his heart like just explodes like yeah he would all like it'd be a totally different conversation he'd right get now. the
3: warrior treatment
2: yeah he yeah he'd be he'd be treated probably more like eddie yeah uh, since they died so close together and are so close friends and that WrestleMania 20 moment would probably, like... That'd probably be, be like, on the every, number one Mania moment. Yeah, it'd be on every video package ever, um, so... And
3: then, you, and then Daniel Bryan probably would have more of a Chris Benoit theme, and there's just a lot of what-ifs if they both would have survived. I mean, who knows? We could have the Mysterios versus... You know Eddie and Chavo versus Chris and David and uh that's where the dads have to carry everyone
2: hey <laughs> <laughs> I know that's not throw shade of Dominic <laughs> he's, he's catching strays over here for nothing <laughs> <laughs> he's just he's just sitting at home and Logan's taking shots at him <sighs> on uh on June 19th Chris would head to Charlotte, North Carolina for a WWE-ECW taping, his final appearance before his death the coming weekend. He won a match against Elijah Burke to face CM Punk at Sunday's Vengeance Night of Champions pay-per-view for the ECW Championship. Benoit would confront CM Punk to close the show.
1: This bout is set for one fall, with the winner
2: advancing to the
1: ECW world title match at Vengeance, Night of Champions. Mr. McMahon would have wanted the show to go on, and indeed it will. We Inchers need to first. crown a new Coming ECW World Champion. Weighing 234 pounds, Chris Benoit. The Rabbit Wolverine and ECW Original, a former World Heavyweight Champion. Championship that has eluded Benoit thus far. That is the championship that's on the podium to, the, to my right. A uh, championship that I'm very proud of. Uh, and that's the ECW World title. And that's something Chris Benoit has not had. Can Burke escape what looks to be the, the sharpshooter? Burke's trying. He got out. Burke's done his homework, that's for sure. Well, absolutely, Eliza. Uh oh. Oh, Down come the knee pads. Well, you know, Eliza Express is in the house. Watch out. But the Elijah Express misses the mark, and the exposed Patel is the kneecaps into the turnbuckle. Can Benoit turn Can he turn him? Here we go! Sharp shooter applied, referee right in the face of Elijah Burke. It's up! Future Hall of Famer Chris Benoit, but in the end, the rabid Wolverine with too much for the up-and-coming Elijah Burke. Gigantic, gigantic victory for Chris Benoit, one of the newest draft picks to ECW. Benoit is going to famous this night of champions. Earlier in the match, watch happens here. Check this out. Benoit. Beautiful counter there by Burke. We thought that may have been all for Benoit, but Benoit came back to lock in that sharpshooter. And Taz, as you pointed out, we now know that Chris Benoit will indeed be competing for the ECW World Title this Sunday at Vengeance Night of Champions. Yeah, right there. Over Dallas was Burke and burned. And then that was it, baby. shooter City. Elijah Burke had no option but to tap out. No shame in that. Very excruciating, painful, submission, maneuver. Right in the center of the ring. Nowhere for Burke to go. This Benoit. You can see the intensity in that man's eyes. Oh, it's so close. Benoit could feel it, baby. Well, still the cup tonight. The question. Can't wait till Sunday, baby. And neither... And the individual coming out. Chris Benoit defeated Elijah Burke earlier Uh on. Uh Oh, baby, you can feel the tension. I can. But CM Punk can as well. for good one Sunday. One of these two superstars will be crowned new ECW World Champion at Vengeance Night of Champions this Sunday.
2: Chris was very open with his colleagues about the frustrations about joining ECW, looked at it as the sea show where careers go to die or to restart. This help fuels Chris's fear of what to do after wrestling. He thought his days in WWE were numbered. And he didn't know what to do.
3: It, it, this is funny. Because like we've talked about, ECW, when the veterans were sent there, it was to help the young guys kind of get that boost. And then they would get taken off the show eventually. Right? Um, Kane did it. Kane was there maybe a year. And Matt Hardy was there again maybe a year. Christian came back maybe a year. So, this is WWE not like communicating what you're doing there. So, I'm sure they just sent him there. They didn't say anything. Right. He's probably backstage at the draft. Bobby Lashley won the match. Benoit came out. Or oh, they're like, hey, Chris, you got to go out there. Why? Oh, you're their next pick. Oh. And this is after he went to Raw when he won the Rumble. And he was the first pick for SmackDown, either the next draft or two drafts later. And then this happens. So he's constantly being shuffled around um and they're just not communicating with them hey it's because you're such a hand you can do anything i just i i think it would have been good for him to be there especially since he had the label of ecw original right um and i think they would have eventually tried to work him into a trainer role i don't know how well he'd do as a producer especially since he would um fly out the handle so much like with anger But as a trainer...
2: Start doing squats. Yeah.
3: I mean, there's a chance he could have had Albert's spot, like as the head NXT trainer. And it would have been great. Um, But yeah, I've, I've heard numerous times that he was worried about his spot at that point. I think with how they used veterans, like I said... I mean, even Hardcore Holly, when it first started, they there for about a year, helped elevate people, and then they moved him up again. Kind of like they're doing with NXT now. I mean, Natalia and the Viking Raiders are there. It, um, it, I know this is his paranoia getting the best of him, because if he didn't have all the paranoia, he'd realize, well, they can't just cut me. Because okay. he could go anywhere and have a match with anyone. I mean, he probably could have showed up at TNA at this point, been the world champion without even thinking or go back to Japan. I mean, I don't know. Just crazy. You hear the paranoia stories from wrestlers that are, th- that were this good at wrestling. Oh man, they're going to fire me. Imagine right. how someone like, <laughs> I mean, that, that to be but like a horn swoggle, you know, where you don't have a match every week. You imagine how terrifying it must've been around, you know, the black Fridays when they'd cut people. Right. Uh,
2: Where was I? He had just confronted Punk. Okay. Uh, He didn't know what to do after wrestling. Uh, Even though he would most likely always have a job in wrestling as a trainer or producer, or even as a WWE ambassador, if it really came down to it. Uh, but Chris, like a lot of wrestlers, had this irrational fear that was, paced down, that was passed <laughs> down to them from wrestlers before. <laughs> that once they get off TV, fans forget about them and they won't be able to make any money in wrestling anymore. Uh, but we know as fans that this is the farthest thing from the truth, especially uh, someone of Chris Benoit's stature in 2007. Uh, he would return home Wednesday morning, just past midnight, tripping the security system in his house. Officers would respond to the alarm, not knowing they would return days later. At 8.30 Friday morning, Chris dropped off Daniel at Holly's horse camp. She found it strange that Chris pulled up and drove off so quickly and recklessly. But at least this time, he drove Daniel to the door. The day before, he had simply (laughs) left the boy at the end of the driveway and made him walk up. Chris drove on to Carleton, 40 miles northwest, uh, for an appointment with his personal doctor. Phil Aston. Phil Aston would later be sentenced to 10 years in prison for illegally distributing prescription drugs. He pled guilty on January 29th to 175 counts, including prescriptions that, issue, that he issued that would lead to the fatal overdose of a woman in 2007. That appointment wasn't until 12.30 p.m., but while May have stopped on the way for a bite to eat at one of his favorite spots, Moe's Southwest Grill in Peachtree City, up for a pilgrimage to Moe's Southwest Grill? Grove.
3: Yeah, 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 we'll just we'll relive we'll relive his weekend.
2: <laughs> I d I don't know about that. <laughs> but uh forever in the area. let we'll, uh we'll have to stop by. Benoit saw asked in every couple of months for routine checkups and to replenish a raft of prescriptions. This time Chris said he had no special physical complaints, just the usual aches and pains but added that he was mildly depressed and wanted to start taking Zoloft again. He discussed his marriage, saying Nancy had been acting moody and bitchy lately and wondering if she was experiencing the onset of menopause. Not very likely at the age of 43, but he agreed to see her professionally after the 4th of July and agreed not to mention their conversation to her. Nancy Benoit's family also tried to file a wrongful death lawsuit against Aston on behalf of Nancy and Daniel's estates. The lawsuit was thrown out in 2010, uh, stating that you can't sue a doctor for what his patient does. But as noted before, acid was sentenced to 10 years for distributing prescription drugs anyway. So, yeah, he... uh, Basically, what the court said on that was, we can't really... Uh... Like, charge a doctor if he goes out and, like, shoots up like a school or something. Like... So... Especially since uh, he was, Phil Asen wasn't Nancy's personal doctor at the time either, so they, he never had that relationship with her. So there wasn't really much for them to sue him on. Uh, Chris chatted with the office staff as usual and posed for a picture and signed a few autographs for other patients in the rating room. I I wonder. I wonder if those people still have those autographs baby the picture is actually is on is our uh, thumbnail for this podcast, the middle one of him with the, mm-hmm. the pictures behind him and the wood wall paneling that's yeah. that's, that's, from, that's from this day that picture uh, On the drive home, Benoit talked on the cell phone with hardcore Holly uh, who uh, asked him how things were with Nancy. He said she's been acting like Hitler. But we're working it out. (laughs) He met up with another wrestler friend, Rick Michaels, also known as Ray Rawls, at the McDonald's off I 85, the Peachtree City Tyrone exit. Rawls would work for Benoit and other WWE wrestlers as a tailor. He would make over 120 pairs of tights for Chris over the years at several hundred dollars a pair. Chris was a generous tipper. When Rawls delivered the goods, he inevitably got a check for at least $100 above the quota price, and even more if Chris forgot his checkbook and wound up, paying, wound up paying later. That happened a few months earlier. The two made plans to meet at Atlanta Hartfields International Airport as Chris returned from a tour. Inadvertently, the incident gave Rawls a ringside seat for the de- de-integration, disintegration. I, I, I always mispronounce that word. Disintegration. Oh. Of the Benoit marriage. Nancy, with Daniel in tow, showed up at the terminal to greet Chris. But when the plane landed, he was not on it. Uh-oh. There was no explanatory phone message, and Nancy stormed off. The next day, Chris explained to Rawls that he had overslept and missed his flight, which struck the later as odd. Why hadn't Chris just called his wife and spared her the inconvenience of driving to the airport for nothing? Yeah. World might never know. It couldn't be He was cheating on He was sleeping with Michelle McCool That yeah, couldn't possibly be the reason Yet another reason Rawls like Chris Had nothing to do with money In 2005 WWE fired Rawls After he was arrested And pled guilty For the sexual exploitation Of a minor Badges. Still Chris kept up their connection I live in a glass house myself So I don't throw stones He said Rawls usually met Chris At the same McDonald's Off the freeway Often Daniel tagged along and Rawls would give him a spare wrestler's mask or some other trinket. This time because Chris was returning from Dr. Essence, he was alone. Ben Rawls handed Rawls a check for $650. and Rawls gave Chris two sets of tights, one for him and one to pass along to another wrestler, Chris Masters. Oh, Do you think Chris Masters ever got those tights? Oh! Rawls and Benoit talk shop. Ray wanted to know how Chris felt about have been moved to recently from WE's roster to ECW, the company's least-watched brand. As long as I can wrestle, that's all I care about," he replied. When Rawls mentioned that he had been working hard and was tired, Benoit perked up. He said he knew of the perfect pick-me-up: okay. a mix, <laughs> a mixture of goodies, headache powder, a Red Bull energy drink, and yellow jackets. The latter was an ephedora-based diet pill banned several years earlier by the Food and Drug Administration, but generic knockoffs of the intermediate pharma- pharmacology continued to be sold <laughs> over-the-counter at places like gas station convenience stores. One drug expert explained that this category of re- of unregulated and easily obtained borderline products is popular in a low-cost pathway to a, quote, hillbilly high. <laughs> No matter how tired he was, Chris said, this concoction makes me feel like Superman.
3: Yeah, probably fucks your body up and puts you into shock.
2: <laughs> Chris insisted I get some goodies with Red Bull and Yellow Jackets right away. There was a BP service station across the way and he said BP carried Yellow Jackets. He told me to follow them there in my car, but they didn't have any. Then Chris said he was... He was sure he'd find them at a BP closer to his house, and he'd call me back when he did. As Benoit sped off in his Hummer, Rawls thought, this guy is wired.
3: That's why you follow him to the gas station? <laughs> I'd be like, ah, it's alright.
2: I, I guess he wanted to try it out, I guess. You know? Maybe, maybe I'll get a cherry Coke. That, that wakes me up sometimes. <laughs> maybe just the Red Bull. Maybe I'll just pick up the Red Bull. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> I don't need the put the yellow jacket and the headache powder yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> uh, shit back home Chris talked on the phone to Kyle Berg a salesman at a local Hummer dealership uh, they talked about selling one of their vehicles and he ordered a call by Aqua Pro the company that serviced their swimming pool He talked to Chavo Guerrero, he talked to Nancy, who was shopping at the local public supermarket for that evening's family cookout on the grill on the back deck. When the pool guys Patrick Sterling and Andrew Webb arrived, they saw Chris flipping meat on the grill and Daniel, both of them in their swimming trunks. That night, what Nancy had been fearing happened. Records show that at 9.25 p.m., The 411 information number processed a request from the Benoit home uh, for the number of the Fayetteville police. The number given out was an obsolete, non-emergency number, but in any case, it wasn't called. At 9.32, there was a call from the Benoit home phone to next-door neighbor Holly's cell phone, then another one a minute later, then another one at 10 p.m., though no voice messages were left, Three days later, Holly would recall the ringing of the phone on Friday night and wish she had answered. Maybe she could have done something. Sometime over the next few hours, Chris Benoit would murder his wife and son, leaving behind his other son, David, who was due to fly down for their annual summer vacation the following weekend. It is unknown the exact time Nancy and Daniel were killed, when Nancy died sometime before Daniel, late Friday night into early Saturday morning, and Daniel shortly after. Chris would spend the weekend in constant contact with friends and co-workers of WWE trying to come up with some sort of cover story from himself. Yeah, and uh, that's essentially uh, what he did. He would have, he would send out the main excuse he would have for missing, because he was supposed to be at a couple of house shows that Friday mm-hmm. and Saturday, uh, was food poisoning. Um, but we'll get into that in the next episode. Uh, as we're going to discuss the events of the Benoit double murder-suicide. In detail, what officers and next-door neighbor Holly would find inside the Benoit home. Uh, plus a little bit of the aftermath of it. Uh, some of the conspiracy theories. Uh, was it steroids or CTE that caused these murders? Um, we're going to discuss all that and more in part three of this podcast series. Uh, but Logan, any, any final thoughts you like to give or the things you've listened, learned or disgusted by.
3: I just think it would be crazy. I mean, imagine if it would have been the next weekend or if David was going to fly down that weekend instead of the weekend after, like he almost could have been the one to discover it. Right. Um, or he could have been a victim himself.
2: Or it could be the one to uh, stop it. Yeah. Just, just a, a tragic what if scenario there. Um. Right.
3: Like, yeah. Imagine if you're him thinking about it. It's like, oh, I could have saved Nancy and Daniel, but I would have had to, you know, probably physically restrain my father.
2: Yeah. So, there's only there's only speculation about what happened Friday night. Um, the only... You kind of put pieces together based on what we know. Um, there was alcohol in Nancy's system. Um, Chris, we, we don't know if there's alcohol in Chris's system that night because he... Was alive like mm-hmm. a little bit longer, but he did have a bottle of wine with him when he was de- when he was found dead. Um. Yeah, the only thing we yeah, the only thing we do know is that something happened, presumably another domestic incident that led uh, to the killing of Nancy, whether in a fit of rage or that's what I, that's what that's the only assumption I can come up with right is that they're both boozed up presumably pilled up as well uh not in the right frame of mind and Chris killed her yep uh they got scared we'll get into it a little bit in the next episode some of the google searches he's made uh and he just he just didn't know what to do with Daniel um some of the, some other podcasts I've heard uh with debate um they come up with like uh like a scenario of when like a dad and a mom would break up and yeah. the dad wants to kill himself but he doesn't want to leave his son or their like their kid with the wife. So yeah. like okay if if I can have him like nobody can type deal and takes him with yeah. them. Um, it it just sucks that there was no note left. We have no idea like what he was thinking. Right. About. So, <sighs> but yeah, we'll we'll we're we'll gonna dive into it more in part three. Um, probably. I, I I really don't know how to describe this next episode. It gives, it's really brutal. Some of the details uh, that have been given out that. I personally have not seen before. So Yeah. We're gonna get all to that and more in the very next episode. So make sure, uh, for some reason this is your first time listening to us, uh, to follow to subscribe to the podcast feed, whether on Spotify, Google Podcasts, or Apple Podcasts, um, follow us on Twitter at PW Proverbs, Instagram and TikTok at Pro Wrestling Proverbs and we do also have a YouTube channel with some old content on there with some new content coming up very soon. So make sure you follow our YouTube channel. That's also Pro Wrestling Proverbs. Thank you guys so much for listening. And we'll see you for part three.